gave them the fundamental, the theory behind things. Okay, and now how are we going to apply this to your customers and your insights and, um, and, and do that? So I would go on and run these great workshops and the customers loved it. They would send me, I'm not joking, they would send me flowers, they would send me bottles of champagne, they would send me cards, emails, and people were like, who are these coming from? Does Alita have all these secret lovers? Right. <laughs> Welcome to the Smartest Podcast, a show that is dedicated to helping you achieve success. I'm your host, John Colderize Lawson entrepreneur and best-selling author. In this episode, you will hear from one of the most successful people in the world. So get ready to improve yourself by learning from those who have already found success. What's up, guys? It's your boy, John, and you are with me on the Smartest Podcast, where I sit down with some of the smartest people and we just have a chat. And today I've got Alita Harvey Rodriguez. From where are you at? Where do you, where, where do you, what's your home base? My home base is in Melbourne, Australia. Okay. So you're in Melbourne. Yay. We love Said that like place. a proper Aussie, Melbourne. I know I've learned. <laughs> You learn pretty quickly, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> don't, don't, don't say born. That's so mm -hmm. American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell everybody what you do and why we should listen to you. Oh well, I guess there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> there's probably a lot of reasons not to. Um, let's start with the reasons why. <laughs> Um, I'm the managing director and founder of MI Academy and we're Australia's most awarded project-based training firm. Um, so we specialize in experience-based learning. And the reason we do that is because I'm dyslexic. I can't learn anything unless I'm going through and experiencing it. And funnily enough, we get to a point when we're adults that we also learn the same way that I do. The best way for adults to learn is through experience. Uh, so we specialize in training teams in retail and e-commerce and technology on boosting marketing performance, customer experience, organizational alignment and strategic creativity. So how do we teach everybody in our organization to become creative thinkers in order to help us to solve problems? Yeah, that's very interesting. Very interesting. How, do, how, how when did you get... Uh diagnosed or were you when you know when did they say hey it's dyslexia I thought oh. I was pretty smart as a kid <laughs> apparently it wasn't um <laughs> <laughs> I was officially diagnosed when I was I think in year eight in, in grade eight and so I was about 14 years old I was put into I wasn't allowed to learn another language at school which was pretty disheartening for me from coming from a bilingual family my family is uh, my dad's English my mum's Peruvian and um, yeah I just was I was put into a special English class and they kind of said what's going on with this kid even as I was reading I, I could see 
I could work really hard to see the words. I knew how to pronounce them, but nothing went into my head and I would just have to read sentence after sentence after sentence with the same sentence and still couldn't really comprehend what was going on. But I really think when I look back, um, I was creating things and writing things as a kid and I was constantly doing the Zs as Ss and I couldn't for the life of me understand what the difference was and I know there's a lot of stigma out there of people that are not compassionate for people that don't have great grammar um, that they're lazy and I can tell you I'm not lazy I, I was never lazy I just couldn't get it into my head. <laughs> yeah that's 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 pretty amazing you know and I mean uh, at least for us here in the United States, you know, I know a lot of people have dealt with um, this, but it wasn't really a thing that yeah. was, you know, and they go through, you go through your life making kind of shortcuts to, and, and maybe I'm putting out there, but do you kind of make oh, shortcuts? 100%. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, I, you know what, I think one of the biggest benefits for me was because my mother is Peruvian, they pronounce every letter of the alphabet so beautifully. I think that having my mum pronounce every letter made it really, maybe one of those shortcuts is a bit easier for me to kind of get through and, and understand, or at least be able to read a word. But you're right, it wasn't recognized for a really long time. Um, it started to come up as something that was recognized as uh, what they would call a learning disability. I, I really detest when it's called a learning disability. We learn differently. It's not a disability in any way, mm. shape or form. Um, but that. now I think schools are really catching up. Really, they've got a lot of uh, compassion and teachers are being trained on how to recognise these things and also how to help these kids. Because most kids, um, Richard Branson dropped out of school. He was dyslexic. Um, and there's so many geniuses out there that are dyslexic. And it's because we think more creatively than everybody else. Interesting. So do you think that you were like, uh, born entrepreneurial or did you learn it oh I don't know maybe yeah I think also I think my mum kind of pushed us into it um because I was a creative kid and making things all the time mum's like you've got to sell this stuff okay so <laughs> <laughs> just keep making stuff putting it in here no it's yeah, gotta go yeah. <laughs> that's right I swear if eBay was around when I was a kid mum would have had me with my own marketplace and I would have been one of those you know child success stories but my eBay was um, a marketplace in my little country town selling um selling all of my crafts as a kid and it's so funny I um hired I would say hired not really mm -hmm. but uh, had my sister and uh one of my best friends working with me um, to make sure that we got all of those crafts all sold at our local King Lake Fate. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. So, I mean, all right. How did you, I love this experiment, experiential learning. Um, yeah. uh, but I mean, how did you get into starting your business? This, you know, the Academy. Tell yeah. me more. So I got started in creating MI Academy out of frustration, which is, I think, how most people, um, most entrepreneurs and business people will, will start out of frustration. They see there's an opportunity that they want to fix. Uh, I was working for a global software company uh, and we had some great software. The software still exists today. And 
nobody knew how to think about how to use it for their clients. So we'd go in, we'd do these great pitches, they'd get all excited and they'd drop some serious cash on this platform. And then we'd get to this point that the clients wouldn't retain because they were using the platform. It was an email marketing tool or a cross-channel marketing tool. And they'd use it exactly the same way that they were using MailChimp, but they were paying hundreds of thousands of dollars more. They're like, why aren't I just still using MailChimp? Um, and it's because they didn't know how to think about how to solve customers' problems. So they needed to have some creative and applications using data and insight to help them to come up with ways that they could use this for creating better customer experience, creating better marketing experiences. And um, I took it upon my own hands within this organization to say, hey, will you let me trial something of just teaching people some creative methods to help them to problem solve with the end goal being whatever it is, let's retain 4% more customers this year. Mm. Because I knew we could do that with a the platform. Um, they just didn't know how to, how to do, do it. it. Right. Yeah. Right. So or went, how to just get started sometimes. Just get started. What do we right. do? Oh, you told me about a post-purchase series. I guess I'll just chuck one of those up. Um, so gave them the fundamental, the theory behind things. Okay, and now how are we going to apply this to your customers and your insights and um and, and do that? So I would go on and run these great workshops and the customers loved it. They would send me I'm not joking, they would send me flowers, they would send me bottles of champagne, they would send me cards, emails, and people were like, who are these coming from? Does Alita have all these secret lovers? Yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't have secret lovers. Um, I, just, <laughs> I just had clients who were really grateful for what I was doing for them. And um, they were like, can you just, the company said, hey, can you just stop doing that and just focus on servicing the customers? And I was like, nice. Hmm. Um, I can, but I'm not going to. So I left. Um, and <laughs> no, no, thank you. No, no, thank you. Um, I'm going to take my really good wage and the comms that I've made from this. I'm going to forget the wage and I'm going to set some goals in my head and I'm going to and I'm going to go and get this for myself and start to bring passion back into work, start to bring joy back into work, start to help people be intrinsically motivated and passionate about the projects that they're working on and have them have tangible outcomes. Um, so that was really the idea behind MI Academy. And there was a couple of options I could have gone down, which was I could have gone into classroom learning like a general assembly that teaches wonderful courses, but they're generalist courses and you still have to figure out how to apply them into your clients, your customers and your workplace and your culture. What I wanted to do was create passionate cultural shifts. And, uh, and that was through project-based learning or experience-based learning that we would go and deliver these programs directly into the organization to create cultural shifts, to create creative shifts and also um, and value shifts. So instead of, and that's a big problem that we have in training that I, and it's a problem that we don't have is people go in and the time to recognize that value of that training investment, because it's usually generic mm -hmm. through learning online or in a classroom. It's like, oh, well, this leadership training, I, mm, yeah, okay, I guess I can apply 2% of it. Whereas most of it gets applied because we're implementing it in directly into a project that exists within the organization. So you go into the organization first, look at the need, 
and then build um, training around that? That's correct. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You still do that to this day? We still do that to this day. Wow. Very customized, very specialized. And uh, seeing teams become happier and leaders go, wow, that our people are sticking around longer. Our people are more passionate and I have more autonomy within my team now. I'm happy. Oh, and our clients are happy because I can see more money on the balance sheet. Awesome. Yeah, that's what they care about, right? You know, so so tell me, just give me a little bit of understanding of how big is your company now? How many team members do you got? You know, we're talking, you know, $10 billion company. What what what, what kind of size company yes, you run in here? <laughs> no, we're still um, we're still growing. So we're in the scale-up phase at the moment. We've got about seven people on the team. Okay. And at the moment, we're actually building out what we call our faculty. Um, so we'll be bringing on some incredible heavy hitters within the Australian e-commerce and retail space to become teachers for MI Academy as we continue to scale and grow. Um, we're actively working on some collaboration with other event companies in the UK and Europe um, and also going to be taking some of our events to Singapore next year. So um, some really big things on the horizon in terms of our growth at MI. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going very international now. Now you do, you you know, we met at Retail Global, I mean, years ago. And I think one of the the things that uh, uh, immediately attracted me to you was your sneakerhead. Oh yeah, I'm a big sneakerhead. I call myself a sneaker freaker. <laughs> yeah. How did you when did you become a sneakerhead? I mean, y'all oh, I don't even some of the best sneakers. <laughs> yeah, I don't think loving sneakers was a choice for me. Um it all started uh, there's this very specific moment in my life. My dad um it, my family my dad's an entrepreneur um and he was traveling a lot to Hong Kong as he was growing his business and he came back one day with these sneakers called LA Gears. Do you remember Yeah, I remember this? LA yeah. Gears. Yeah. Yeah, he comes back with these LA Gears and they had the gel pad through the bottom of the heel, never seen anything like that before in Australia. And they will light up. This is the first time that sneakers ever lit up. I think it was a purple and a red light up that was going on inside my sneakers. And I was like, yeah, they were the coolest sneakers ever. And from that moment on, I fell in love with sneakers. By the way, don't try and play hide and seek in the dark when you've got light up sneakers. You'll get caught. That's funny. So after that, yeah, after that, I was like, I am, I'm a sneakerhead now. This is, this is my life. I'm done. And, you know, and I wore sneakers with everything. Now it's cool to wear sneakers with dresses. Right, I was right. wearing sneakers with dresses and people would make fun of, Alina, why are you wearing my shoes? It looks so silly. And I'm like, you shut your mouth. Yeah. These are my shoes. This is my style. And this is me. Accept it. Don't, don't care. <laughs> right. See, that is true because, you know, now it's kind of like everybody's got on a good pair of sneakers, but yeah. you were in it to win it from day one that I met you. I'm like, oh, wow. She got, <laughs> she got on better kicks than me. What's up? Oh, that's a rare situation, isn't it? No, no, <laughs> not really. Not anymore. No, I, I think that's how I fell anymore. in love with you too, was your sneaks. <laughs> yeah, that's true, right? So, I mean, that, that's an amazing thing. So what? how long ago did you start your business? 
Um, it was about 10 years ago now. Wow. So yeah, yeah. It's the first three years wasn't the model that exists today. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little bit more consultative and there was a bit of an agency model that sat behind it. And um, I didn't love it. And the reason why I didn't love it was because I it was taking away the power to create and giving it back to people who already knew how to do those things. So um, how to make an email look good, how to do the A-B testing. And I thought these skills, and as soon as we finished a project back in the day, uh, you'd kind of hit this peak and everything was great. And then it would kind of start tapering off again. There was no frameworks embedded within that business to continue to help them to grow. And I was like, I need to hand over these frameworks. I know I'll be doing myself out of a job at some point, but I'll keep creating new things so that people can keep coming back. Um, and that was that was a really big shift in my mindset about how do I give the power back to the people, not just to make those decisions early on, but continue to do them for the rest of their career and the rest of their business journey. Mm. Man, that's great. That's great. And I mean, what was the tipping point for you in terms of like, okay, I'm in this, we're going to scale. This is the thing I'm made to do. What was that tipping point for you? Oh, good question. I actually think it was around um, one of the retail globals probably about six years ago. Mm. And um, we'd been working with a lot of small businesses and they weren't, and that was when we, there was that agency style model and they weren't um, able to take exactly what we were trying to achieve and really implement it because just a lot of the constraints that owner operators had in their organization, not to say that we won't help owner operators, we're actually developing a whole bunch of courses that are better suited to them um, that will be released later this early next year called e-school and um but there was this moment that I was like we started working with some bigger brands or just medium-sized enterprises and they were getting amazing results and that's where we started to see all those shifts and just kind of went this is it I love seeing when the feedback comes back after the first session the first workshop going I have more direction and I'm happier at work that was me as a people person going this is what I'm meant to do I need to grow this business. Now I feel like I have the frameworks and um, and we're stable enough to go and scale. So that's when I started hiring people and bringing them on board for the ride. And they cool. love it too. We, the whole team, we call ourselves a family and, and we're just so happy and to be helping people. And so now you're going a little bit downstream, would you say, in terms of, okay, we've dealt with these uh, medium sized and larger enterprises. And now we're like backing down a little bit and trying to help the smaller, you know, SMBs, uh, I guess y'all call them SMEs, right? Yeah. Um, type businesses. That's Yeah, awesome. that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because that was our bread and butter for a long time, or it was mm. at least my bread and butter before we started bringing people on. But um, yeah, just want to make sure that they've got the right framework. So we trialed something in 2020 called um, the 21 day challenge. And that was looking at um, the three core fundamentals of digital marketing, which was project management and planning. So strategy, social media, and teaching not the flashy things of social media, but the fundamental pieces like how to set up a great set of hashtags that you can use in order to grow Mm. how do you engage a community and what are the 
methods that you do to try and grow and bring people over from um, different different communities and bring them into your community how do we start to create a great branded experience so that people know that it's always you who's posting and um and 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 also just hit the five key areas of the algorithm don't try and trick anything these things of the algorithm aren't ever going to change just make sure that you're always staying there and stable with those yeah and that's then, good yeah and then because we always see about accounts being shadow banned and stuff like that it's because they're trying tricky things you want to make sure that you've really got those fundamental pieces that instagram and facebook and um, TikTok are always going to love about you. And then the final piece of that 21 day challenge is all about email marketing. So we talk about the foundations of setting up a promotional campaign, how to set up campaigns that you're not always going to have to be on sale. And then also what are the key fundamentals of um, an automation strategy, like a welcome series um, to nurture somebody once you've acquired them, what are some of the strategies that you can do to acquire them, uh, and then finishing off with abandoned cart and some post-purchase emails as well, just so that people are stable. And we've found even when brands do have some of those things set up, because we're doing that project-based, experience-based learning, we're getting them to go in and analyze what they're doing with the newfound information. They're able to make upgrades even to existing systems. And I think we've seen um, return on investment of like 1,400 and something, like just something really like great returns on the work that they're doing. Right. Well, I mean, hey, once I set it up and I know what to do with it, it is very repeatable. Yeah, that's right. Right. And I, one of the things you said was engaging community, also going out to other communities and bringing them into your community. Can you yeah. talk to us a little bit more? I want to know Ooh, what's the secret. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things that um, a lot of brands, are, I think SMB market does um, not well is just, just, they're just trying to grow. Like they're just trying to, grow an, an inch and get a little bit like a couple more people engaged on maybe liking their page. But what you really want to do is to start to look in your, uh, I'm going to use the word ecosystem. So mm -hmm. if I'm selling lawnmowers, there will be other people out there who have gardening, who are, who are gardening experts and, um, and gardening influencers who might have thousands tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers that are actively engaged. So when they're posting something about lawn mowing or um, one of the great ones that we've seen is lawn porn um, with just gorgeous looking, I know, it's out there for everything. Anyway, these beautiful lawns out there. And then we start to see, um, so then we encourage people to go and actively engage and have conversations with their followers. So when they've posted something like, oh my gosh, that's the most luscious lawn I've ever seen. Oh no, we couldn't agree more. Um, not even saying, hey, come and follow us. We couldn't right. agree more. This is the most beautiful lawn we've ever seen. And you've already, you don't have to tell somebody to come and follow you. You've already got this beautiful, your brand is already right there. And if you do that, and we encourage people to make 50 comments a day, or if it can't be a day, if it can be 50 comments a week, you start doing that as a ritual and you will start to see your list grow. And not only will you see your list grow, because you've engaged with them in a beautiful, non-threatening space and you haven't been spamming, come and follow me if I'm on Lawn Palm, you'll see people wanting to engage with your page and it's a really simple trick. It just takes discipline and it will grow you an engaged following. Simple Man, 
That is gold right there. That is mm -hmm. absolute gold. And if you think about it, if somebody I don't know comments on something that I commented on, right, starts that kind of conversation, one of the first things I'm going to do is like, who's this person? And I'll go and look at their profile. And then all of a sudden, I've been, I've introduced myself into what it is that you do. And if I'm ready to follow more people, I'm going to follow them because this is something I love. So if I'm looking at lawn porn and I see that you're part of that community, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah that's wow. right. So you tell them 50 a day, 50 a week to have a number, hit your goal and continuously do that. That will help build your following. Yeah, we've seen communities go from like a thousand followers up to 10,000 followers and it takes time. Don't get me wrong, yes. it takes time, but I'm okay to take time to get 10,000 followers that will then start to snowball on its own. Okay, so now I got the followers and they're coming in. What do I do with the followers? What's my next step with the followers? I'm, I'm putting your 21 days in 21 minutes. So no, but, <laughs> yeah. just, but just, you know, kind of what's kind of the... In, in the concept, what's the next thing I want to do with new followers? So the next thing we want to do with new followers is make sure that we're posting and da posting daily if you can. There used to be, look, there used to be this rule that said you need to post three times a day. Oh, what a drainer. I've got to run my business. I'm not here as a social media influencer. Ugh. What you need to do is to look at your reporting and say, when is my when are my people online the most? Okay, so let's say mums follow me. Mums are usually online, oddly enough, somewhere around 10 p.m., 2 a.m., and usually at 3 p.m. or 2.30. This is because mums are picking up kids from school or young mums are feeding the kid at 2 a.m. or 10 p.m. they're in bed and they're scrolling until mm. they fall asleep. Uh, so what you need to do is first understand when they're online and just post at one of those times. Um, when you start to get that engagement and people start to comment, there's a couple of little tricks that you can do is let that post run for a couple of days and hopefully get some comments. There are a couple of little tricks that we talk about in the 21 day challenge about how to write open questions and things like that to gain engagement. Um, and what you want to do is once you've got that little run, start to comment on comment back either right away um, to their particular comments and then a few days later or even 48 hours later, 24 hours later, actually leave a new comment there. And that'll get you back into the newsfeed as well. So you'll start to get kind of this double whammy and it works really well on Facebook and it works really well on Instagram. So you just post once a day and do a really good post. Don't post three crappy posts a day, one a day, really good post, great hashtags. Ta-da. Okay, Come. cool. Now, when do I get to sell them? When do you get, ah, when do you get to sell to them? Okay. Well, this is where audiences come into play. And there okay. is, we've got this like secret, we add this secret module into the 21 day challenge that is about how to run a super easy ad. One of the things that we don't have time for, especially if you're a small growing business is to pay an agency that has a 25% fee, which is 25% that you could be putting into your ads. Right. Yeah. Um, is this, we call it the super easy ad. And there's this part in um, Business Manager on Facebook where you can set up these great custom audiences. And, um, and then you come back into your newsfeed and everybody's seen the button that says boost post. 
most people, small businesses will go, I want to boost this to my friends, like likers of my page and their followers. Okay, great. So we're just making an assumption here right now that everybody who's on my page is also into lawn porn. When most of your friends could be into like death metal for crying out loud. How do, how do we know? Right. Um, so, so we don't want to do that. We want to send it to a targeted audience. So ah. from that point, you set up your custom audience and then you come in and you boost your posts and Facebook and Instagram allows you to choose what, which audience you want to send it to. So let's send it to an audience that's already engaged with us being our likers or our followers. Let's send it to them. Great. Done. And then we have great performance in our ads and we're not sending it to a random audience that we're praying to the Facebook gods to that find it's not, for. usually not going to work. Right, right, right. I love the booze post. I'm a Everybody boost. loves the booze post. It's easy. I do. I do. You know, and like you said, you know, I'm busy. I don't have all day to be setting up these long campaigns and blah, blah, blah. I get so much out of boosting posts to different audiences and, you know, it's it's amazing. I mean, you know, I mean, the algorithm's going to work if you put enough time and money behind it anyway. You know, yeah. Facebook is good at trying to find more and more engagement because they want to get more and more money from you. Right. You know, I mean, heck. So that's fantastic. Look, that's an entire funnel right there, you know? And it's the super easy ad. I think we've actually got... Um, you know, I don't think you need to get into the 21 day challenge. I think we've actually got it on our blog with screenshots and everything. So if you want to go and check it out, jump onto the MI Academy blog and type in super easy ad and it's all there. Booyah. Well, <laughs> you know what? Actually, if it is there, I'm definitely going to make sure we link to that along with, of course, linking to all your stuff and all the opportunities. So how do people, if they want to get in touch with you, get to working with you, you know, what, what do they need to do? How do we follow Alita? Oh, well, you can follow us at on any socials at MI Academy. Our website is miacademy.com.au. And if you want to drop us an email, tell us about your problems. We're here to hear about your problems because we want to help you fix them. Um, you can email us at hello at miacademy.com.au. Oh, wow. Okay. So last question. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So what question did I not ask you that I should have asked you? Oh, <laughs> oh what a question. Mm. What's my favorite cheese? What is your favorite cheese? Tell me, girl. The answer to that is cheese that's on top of chips, fries. <laughs> <laughs> just put it on, just put it on top of fries. Top you're good fries. to go. <laughs> yeah, we're good to go. And we can get some ketchup and some and some mayonnaise on there at the same time. Oh, see, see. Yeah. Uh, you can't say mayo on top of fries here in the U.S. Just no, is that know. illegal? No, it's not illegal, but people think I'm crazy. You know? Wait, do you put mayo on top of your I fries? Like, I, if it's not that, it's ranch dressing. I don't know. Ooh, they have this ranch dressing. friends. This and yeah, because friends. ranch dressing has a little bit of tanginess behind it. Exactly. But it's I basically mayo. So if I say that, people don't look at me crazy. But if it's straight <laughs> mayo, you know, when you, when you go to the... To, to England and they give you the straight mayo, I'm like happy. Yeah. Oh. 
But um, man, Alita, it is so great catching up with you, talking to you. You know, you are a firebrand. And like you said, you said you are one of the most awarded uh, agencies in Australia. Because every yeah. time I turn around, you're posting, hey, we just won. Look at this. You guys have such an amazing, amazing team, amazing people. And I really appreciate you taking the time to um, carve out a little bit for me today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a great chat. All right. Hang out uh, after this. But you guys, that's all you get. I'm going to keep talking to her, but you got to go now. So we're out of here for now. Wave bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>